check out my new book, Coping Courageously, a heart-centered guide for navigating a loved one's illness without losing yourself. It's appropriate for you as a clinician, for your patients, and for anyone you know who has a seriously ill loved one or an aging parent. Check it out and tell a friend. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast, where we talk about integrative symptom management and physician well-being, because every physician deserves to have satisfying work, and every patient deserves an effective and joyful physician. Let's get started. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast. I'm Dr. Delia Caramonti, and today we have a really special guest. We have Dr. Anne Huntington, who is an internal medicine physician and expert in aromatherapy. So that's our topic for today. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Huntington. She is an internal medicine trained hospital medicine physician with expertise in quality, patient safety, peer review, privileging, and credentials. And most recently, she was the medical director of over 50 hospitalist physicians during the pandemic. She believes that integrative medicine and lifestyle medicine are foundational to medical care. Dr. Huntington is the founder and CEO of Give More Naturally with special expertise in the field of essential oils, and she's launching an unbranded CME course for physicians on the safety and research of essential oils as an integrative tool, which you'll definitely hear about during our episode today. She does want to make sure that we know that essential oils are not FDA approved to treat, cure, diagnose, or prevent disease. And what she shares today should not be taken as medical advice and does not constitute a physician-patient relationship. So we're about to learn a ton about essential oils, and I'm really excited. Welcome, Dr. Huntington. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. So start us out really simply. What is an essential oil? When people say aromatherapy, what do they mean? Just to sort of set the landscape for us. So essential oils are aromatic plant compounds. They are volatile, meaning that they evaporate from liquid to gas at room temperature, and they're lipophilic, meaning they can be absorbed. And they come from plant resins, leaves, bark, roots, and flowers of many different plants around the world. That's kind of the basic of what uh, essential oils are. They have different chemical constituents that make that are kind of unique to that plant species. And this chemistry, or and, and for the physicians listening in here, when they think of organic chemistry, that may evoke bad memories of going through medical school. <laughs> yes, undergrad. it does for me. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but this is really organic chemistry where we're looking at the chemical constituents and the effects that they have to protect the plant, and you know effects that they may have on us and you know humans and animals. Essential oils are really part of the plant, and we would say an essential part of the plant to protect it from insects, from pests, from disease, and also to attract pollinators. So that's kind of the purpose for the plant of the of these essential oils. What they do, you know, where they're found in the plant, in the leaves, bark, etc., in they're in tiny little oil sacs. And those oil sacs, when we prepare them, can be crushed or, or broken to release the oil from that part of the plant. And then it can be distilled is one of the most common way of synthesizing these, you can distill them and concentrate them. And and then you have kind of more of an oil versus the water part or the hydrosol, we would call that. So there's several other ways to kind of synthesize these and to produce these, but that's kind of the basics nuts and bolts of what these are and how we get them. Interesting. I didn't know that they had little sacks in the plants. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. So that's all why the plant has them. And then what 
how does it benefit us? How do people use these essential oils for health? Yeah, they are used in many, many ways. I would say most people are familiar with aromatherapy as we're talking about today. Um, because these are aromatic plant compounds, different from like vegetable oils that you know you don't necessarily smell, uh, canola oil or avocado oil or some of those others. And those ones are also not volatile where they evaporate from liquid to gas at room temperature. We use them a lot for different therapeutic benefits. There's different benefits for mental health. There's different benefits for topical use. And we can kind of talk about that different benefits for soothing achy muscles and joints. And there's different benefits for when we have a little bit of congestion, there can be some benefits for having some improved focus and really being a little more alert and fatigue, kind of an afternoon pick-me-up, and also some very significant calming benefits. People often use these at sleep at night to kind of calm them down as part of their sleep routine. They're they're just very widely used in many many different ways. You know, as a doc, one of the biggest things that that we see when people have chronic illnesses or when people are you know struggling with something is their mental health mm-hmm. and that affects so much of us it affects the way that we respond to stressors it affects the way that we take care of our bodies and our minds it affects our relationships it affects the way that we take care of our chronic illnesses and i think that sometimes in in medicine historically where we haven't put as much emphasis on but that is one way I see aromatherapy as really benefiting people in a really safe way and a really effective way to improve their mental health and improve their well-being. Yeah, so wide-reaching in potential benefit. So I think maybe we can get into some specifics later on, but big picture, is this all anecdotal or is there evidence to show benefit for some of these essential oils and for specific things? I know this is not medical advice, but sort of give give yeah. the listener an idea. Is this all just like what grandma said or is there some science behind it? Yeah, that's great. Uh, and as physicians, that's what we go for, right? We We certainly don't poo-poo, you know, the anecdotal evidence, because especially if it's historical and if it's wide reaching, and if there's many anecdotes, then you kind of see a pattern. Um, But we also feel like evidence or research is very important. So from a mental health standpoint, and especially when people are anxious, there is a huge amount of research, I would say. One of the most widely studied essential oils or the most widely studied essential oil is lavender. And that's been referenced before. There's over a thousand studies on lavender. And it's very far reaching into many different areas, even of healthcare in the intensive care unit on dialysis patients. There are a lot of studies in cardiac patients that have been admitted for acute cardiac conditions to help them be less anxious and really get through what they're going through and reduce their stress levels. And in many different settings in, you know, in kids, in adults, um, even in patients with dementia, there's been a lot of studies So that is one, you know, lavender is one that people most commonly would see as very beneficial in the mental health arena, especially as a calming benefit. Uh, Lavender, when you look down at the chemical constituents, lavender is, is mostly comprised of linalool and linalool acetate. Now, those are very calming. They have, you know, a little bit different properties, but in general, very calming and the, you know, because the quality of essential oils out there can be so widely varied, you may not get the benefits if you're not getting, you know, a concentrated enough essential oil. And we can talk about, you know, how to find those and some of the nuance of that, but that can really, you know, benefit people to help them calm down. 
And so that's been studied a lot. There are many others that have been studied and we can, you know, certainly go into some of those others, but that's the one that people would think of the most when they hear that. Yes, that's great. So a couple of things struck me. First that you said, I think I got this right, that there are over a thousand studies of lavender. Did I hear you say that Mm -hmm. right? That's right. Okay. So the other thing that struck me is the use in people with dementia, Mm -hmm. because a lot of the anxiety modulating things in the integrative medicine world are uh, mind-body things. Often though, that require that you be able to follow direction. So doing guided imagery or meditation or progressive muscle relaxation, diaphragmatic breathing, all of those require that somebody be able to follow directions. And so they don't work nearly as well in people with dementia, particularly advanced dementia. So to have something like this that is safe because the medicines we have, you know, benzos and older people are terrible ideas to have yeah. something that may help somebody <laughs> calm down when they're agitated and they have dementia seems like a potential really valuable use to me. Yeah, exactly. And as an internal medicine doc, as you as you know, too, we're always worried about side effects in, in those patients and certain medications we can't use with them or, or we'd have to use very sparingly because of, you know, their health conditions and the potential of, you know, making their agitation worse or some of those things. So, I agree. Many of those patients can't follow a lot of, you know, directions and and really complex situations. And so this is a passive way of really helping improve uh, their ability to have an improved quality of life, help them calm down. And uh, there's some ways, there's some various ways to do that. We can talk about different ways to help them get aromatherapy, but I very much agree that this is, this is one that in the future, I would see this in the hospital much more. And as an added tool for us, you know, it's, it's not going to be an end all be all. I get that. I still use my medications when I need to, but this can be an added tool in our toolkit in the hospital, at the bedside, you know, in the home for patients on hospice, for example, to really help enhance that ability to have an improved quality of life, whether it be end of life or in serious illness or in many different situations. I love that. I really love that. Uh, because the more tools we have, that's sort of the whole point of integrative palliative medicine, right? Is use medications and other conventional tools when they're appropriate. Absolutely. But then also just expand our toolbox a little bit. Let's use all the things we have to make people feel better and function better. So I know that there are a bunch of different ways that people use essential oils. Like some people have an atomizer on their bedside table and some people use them orally. Some people use them topically. Can you talk to us a little bit about when you would use what are there cautions? Like, just tell us about how do people use these things? The most common way people use these is through the aroma, uh, through the sense of smell. And there are many different ways to use them, but let's talk about the kind of the pathway first. When we smell, it goes through the olfactory pathway, the olfactory nerves, the olfactory tract bulb, and uh, to the limbic system of the brain. And that's often how essential oils exert their influence. And it's a very direct connection within, you know, 20, 30 seconds, you can have start to have a result that can be used in in different ways. So you mentioned atomizer diffuser, a diffuser is a little uh, reservoir, there can be many different types of diffusers, but the ones that I most commonly use, you can put some water in have a water reservoir, and then have a a few drops of whatever essential oil or blend of essential oils you want to use. And then it basically just kind of evaporates the little, little particles of essential oils with the water into the air. Um, When I first started this journey, I'll say, I had a little concern about that. I was like, oh, is this oils, you know, are these going to get into the lungs? Are they going to cause problems? I really took a deep dive into that in general, 
aromatherapy is very safe if used properly. It's kind of like when you take bread out of the oven, you get the aroma of the bread. It's a little bit like that. It's like when you take cookies out of the oven, you get that really nice aroma and it, it exerts a positive influence. Yes, it does. <laughs> it, it really does. Yeah. And so, and I know that even some realtors, when they're showing houses, they will have a diffuser and they will uh, diffuse orange or a citrus oil that's very uplifting. And, and our brains are, you know, our memory is very good at, at smells. Sometimes there's bad smells that we remember. Sometimes there's good smells that we remember. And if we can associate some of these with positive memories, positive smells, that can evoke a really calming benefit or, you know, however we want to yeah. utilize that. Other ways, in addition to a diffuser that we can use these are unscrewing the lid and kind of just, you know, smelling the aroma. Some people will use it, put in a little bit of jewelry and maybe have it on a necklace and then they can smell it. Or, and I think you have mentioned this before in your previous episode, which was fantastic. Everybody should go back and listen <laughs> to Delia's <laughs> episode in January. Um, you can put it on a cotton ball or an absorbent ball and put it in some people use a denture cup or some kind of cup that has a lid and can hold that in. And then you can take the lid off and get the aroma. Um, so there's many different ways. You can put it topically on your skin or in your hands, cup your hands and get that aroma. Lots of different ways. I put them, I, I have some in my shower and, and I just drop some drops on the floor when I'm taking a shower and it makes the whole shower smell like a spa. Yes, I do that too. It's it's so wonderful. So some people, and speaking of that, some people will use steam, especially if they're pretty congested. They will get kind of a steaming bowl of water, put a few drops in, maybe put a towel over their head and inhale the aroma there. And it's, you know, they typically don't do that for mental health benefits, but more for the kind of uh, respiratory benefits of, you know, kind of clearing that breathing and congestion. You just have to be careful to not do super hot steam. Right. <laughs> for steam. Don't burn your face. You know, steam right? injury. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But that would be for a cold or a sinus problem or something like that, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. And that was actually my first exposure to essential oils was when my kids had a little cough and congestion. I knew it was self-limited. And for and I had never tried this before. You know, I mean, I, this has happened plenty of times, but I reached out to a friend and I said, hey, this is what's going on. Do you have anything that could help? And I knew this this friend had some essential oils and she sent me home with a diffuser and taught me how to use it and a few oils that could help. Nice. And it really benefited them. And I was like, wow, these are actually biologically active. That was my first kind of light bulb went on. Yeah. And uh, it was really interesting. Recognizing that this is not medical advice, do you feel comfortable saying what kinds of essential oils might people use for sinus and, and colds and that sort of thing? Sure. Yeah. And I, I want to be careful for everybody listening to, to make sure we know we're not trying to treat certain viruses. We're not trying to treat, you know, pneumonias or things like that. These are kind of more self-limited symptoms, but eucalyptus is pretty commonly known as one that can help um, with kind of cough and congestion. Uh, peppermint kind of can help open up clear airways and, and help with uh, clear breathing. And rosemary, I really like a lot. It's very powerful. Um, you do have to be careful and we'll, we'll talk more about some resources that I have to kind of teach physicians on how to use these safely, but that can be another one cautious in kids. And we can talk about how to use with kids and things like that. But those are some, there's others, Douglas fir, uh, you know, frankincense, there's some others that we would mix in to use. And then even tea tree sometimes, although you have to be careful with animals, certain animals can't metabolize the enzyme in that. So there's different ways that I would mix and blend these uh, depending on what I need. It's pretty fun. It's a nice. lot of chemistry together. It's chemistry, right. <laughs> it's super, it's super nerdy. 
<laughs> Unless, so there is a benefit to chemistry. That's good. <laughs> That's right. It's coming back. <laughs> so these diffusers, people can get anywhere on Amazon, right? People can get mm-hmm. these anywhere. Yep. Yeah, they can. It depends on the room, the size of the room. In my big living room and kitchen, I'm only really just doing it for the smell. I'm not doing it for any other therapeutic benefit. In the bedroom or a smaller room, that's easier to get the therapeutic benefit, I feel like, because it's more enclosed. And there's some, you know, some safety, you know, just some safety guidelines that that I'm always uh, cautious about. You don't want to stick your face over it for an hour. Right. <laughs> you want to be a few feet away. You know, there's certain ways to use these properly. But in general, yes, that is a, a great way to use them. So that's how people can get the diffuser. What are some general guidelines for people about how do you find a high quality essential oil? And and I know you'll mention how is that different than just perfumey things that smell nice? Because that's not yes. the same, right? Yes. That's a great question. So essential oils are everywhere. They are in our food products as flavoring. Uh, they are in perfumes. They're in our personal care products. In our hair care products, you'll see tea tree and rosemary in some of those, sometimes lavender. Uh, you'll see lavender a lot on lotions and things like that or in bath bombs. You know, If we're absorbing essential oils and we're absorbing lotions, then we're absorbing chemicals into our skin, into our bloodstream. And I think research has still not shown all the negative effects potentially of this chemical overload that we're getting, especially in this country. So many of the products out on the market are very adulterated. We would say like intentionally they're changed to increase the profits or to enhance the smell, but that can lead to some detrimental you know, problems with our health, especially if we're using them over time. Um, or even some skin sensitivities, you know, we can react to certain allergens with the other chemicals uh, that can affect us too. You're talking right now about lotions with or other products that have smells that maybe include essential oils, but are not the same as essential oils. Correct. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So some of them may have essential oils. Some of them may just have fragrances as you referenced, and those are not the same as essential oils. Those are often formulated in the lab. They may just smell nice. And sometimes you'll see in the labels of these, like you'll see limonene or some of the chemical constituents where maybe they've synthetically added some of these to make them smell nice. But that is not the same as aromatherapy and essential oil use for therapeutic benefit. That's the most important thing, what you just said right there, right? Those, so, so having a lotion that says it's lavender scented is not the same as using an essential oil in a diffuser. That is not aromatherapy. But now you're going to tell us what is. So where do people get these pure essential oils? Yeah. And actually, let me, let me just uh, dovetail on that real quick, saying that there's some case reports out there of lavender causing certain, you know, potentially hormonal side effects. And when they looked in deeper to some of this, they actually found that these were, and and this was actually gynecomastia in prepubertal boys. And they actually found that what they were using was kind of some hairstyling products uh, with quote unquote lavender or tea tree, some lotions, some soaps that are kind of lavender. But when they actually, at least on one of the case reports, when they did a deep dive into it, they had like, I think it uh, had no lavender and very little tea tree actually in the product. <clears throat> so that is probably not what was causing some of those side effects. And so whenever we're looking into somebody that has a side effect, I always look into what were they actually using and what was in what they were using. So that's kind of a, an important um, thing to distinguish. And we're, we're looking at that. So anyway, just wanted to throw that in. Got it. So when we're looking at quality, the market is highly adulterated. It is almost all the essential oils on the market or the, that are called essential oils 
are not pure or therapeutic benefit or really to the standard that we would say would be pharmaceutical grade, right? And as physicians, we're really used to, if I prescribe amlodipine, you know, 10 milligrams, it really should be pretty close to that 10 milligrams, right? Yes. <laughs> and then I know what I'm getting. But I would be, I would expect, you know, everybody's different as far as their response, but I would expect that I'm getting, you know, approximately 10 milligrams. But in the essential oil market, because it's unregulated, it is so widely variable that you don't even know what you're getting. Hmm. There's been several studies and third-party testing for lavender, for example, where you are seeing potentially point like one to three percent linalool in lavender when nature tells us that it should have 25 to 45% linalool. And so it's very, you know, the market is kind of all over the place. So I'm super cautious about, you know, what quality we're getting. And especially if you're going to do research, and especially if I'm going to be telling people to use these therapeutically, I'm going to make sure that that I know what I'm, what we're doing. So when we're talking about where to get these, some things to look for are, are they pure? Are they organic? Are they therapeutic grade? And so how would they know that? Will it will it say that on the bottle or how will they know? So it, so someone who is listening realistically, they heard you they heard you say like you can't be sure it's good, but where would they what should they literally do? What should yeah, they do to go find exactly. the best they possibly can? Yep. So I look for those. I would also look for the name when you're looking at the name of what it is, look at the Latin name as well. You know, if it's any of them, you want to see that Latin name. And also, for example, if you're getting cinnamon, which I don't recommend for a new essential oil user because it's very hot, it's a hot oil, so <laughs> it takes some expertise. But are you getting cinnamon leaf or cinnamon bark? Cinnamon bark is much more expensive and has different therapeutic properties and very powerful than cinnamon leaf. So you really want to see what what you're getting, what it's saying um, as far as the part of the plant and then the Latin name and then, you know, the cost. People always ask me, why are essential oils so expensive? Well, it takes a lot of plant matter to produce these, and it can be very expensive to distill these and to get to store these in glass or stainless steel rather than plastic and to you know really test them to make sure you're getting what you think you're getting. So there's some cost. If you're getting a $5 lavender or especially like a $10 frankincense, you're probably not getting a therapeutic grade. Another thing to look for is, are they stored in glass bottles? that are typically amber color. Mm -hmm. Essential oils, especially citrus oils containing limonene, are susceptible to oxidation in air and light and heat. And so you really want to keep them stored in those amber colored glass bottles if you can. And so that's kind of another way to distinguish a higher quality essential oil. But I will say it's very difficult. So this is going to leave people a little bit uneasy because some of the testing has shown that almost all of these, even if they say they're pure or organic or therapeutic grade, they may not be because you could be adding in a lesser expensive oil to a more expensive oil and diluting it and still saying it's pure because it's still pure from both those two plants. Or you could still say it's organic if they're organically produced. Or you could be adding in a vegetable oil, a carrier oil and diluting it. You could still say it's organic if you're adding in organic you know, almond oil, for example, but it's not, you know, it isn't always what it seems. So that's a tricky one. I would say also find the company, you know, research companies. There's some companies that are more focused on science and research than others. There are many companies out there that are really truly just selling these and not educating and not doing research and not not backed by physicians and scientists. Do you have tips for people for how they can find a high quality company? Yeah, it's a great question. There are some some major ones on the market, and I will kind of, as we talk, we'll kind of steer away from the naming the exact companies. But I would say look for ones that have a lot of science, you know, information on their website. 
look for ones that talk about testing, that talk about third-party testing, that talk about the chemistry of the oils, that talk about how to use these that really provide a lot of education. And one thing also to look for is, do they do GCMS testing, gas chromatography, mass spectroscopy? Um, Do they label, do they show, prove the testing by potentially putting the batch number on their, you know, on the bottle where you can look up that batch number and kind of trace back to where it came from. Now, GCMS testing is not the only testing you should do with essential oils. There is much more testing you need to do to make sure they're not adulterated, contaminated, you know, that they're therapeutic. But that's, that's a basic necessity as looking for ones that have GCMS testing. Many do. Hopefully that's helpful to everybody listening. It's a, I'm going to keep it a little bit vague because we're not going to talk about the specific companies, but those are uh, quality is so important. And as a doc, if I'm going to use these, I'm going to use the highest quality. Otherwise, I'm not going to use them. Like it's not worth the risk because they're so concentrated. It's not worth the risk to health to be using things with a lot of chemicals in them. That's my personal opinion. Got it. So, so I have two things to say. Um, one is my general life philosophy is that the perfect is the enemy of the good. So while I <laughs> yep. absolutely hear you that yes, they they may not be perfect. Still, I want people to leave this episode having something other than well, I better not try because they're not yeah. perfect. So I don't yeah. want that. So what I'm going to summarize and tell me if I'm wrong. I'm going to summarize yeah. what I think you said about the things they can use to find maybe a company that's good enough, acknowledging that it's probably not perfect, but maybe it's good enough. Things like the product should be in a glass, a dark glass bottle. It should have a a lot number or some sort of identification number. It should be kind of pricey, right? Not not too cheap. It should Mm -hmm. say uh, essential oil pure. It should have the Latin name. Did I get those right so far? Yep. Yep. Okay. Exactly. And then ideally, maybe in in your spare time, listener, maybe go look up some companies that provide them and look at their website and see, do they talk a lot about science? Do they say that they have outside testing to uh, make sure that what's in their bottle is what they say is in their bottle? Does that sound like a way that a person could get as close as possible to knowing that they're getting yes. a good product? Does that sound right? Yes, absolutely. And thank you for clarifying that and, and kind of summarizing. You're right. I, I don't want people to be scared of this process. You know, we we get all of these chemicals in our food and in our cleaning products and, and we're exposed to those and our body do have natural detoxifying processes. And many of these are are really quite good, you know, good and therapeutic. So I think that's I think that's a fair point and and absolutely I agree. These are again, they're relatively safe. And so it's worth a try. One other thing to keep in mind when you do purchase an essential oil, smell it and see, does this smell like lavender or does it smell maybe like chemicals? Does this smell like peppermint? And many of us have never smelled true potent peppermint. It's amazing. (laughs) It's really amazing. But does this smell like what you think peppermint would be? And so that's another way because some of these really do smell poorly. And when you put them on your skin, um, they may smell even worse. And that can be a sign that it may not be something you want to put on or in your body. So that's another another little test you can do. Got it. I had one question while you were talking. You had said, if you find you know, tea tree for $5, don't buy it. What what would be the a kind of price that would make you feel like for a bottle of essential oil, this might be a high quality product? Yeah, it's a great question because it's so varied. Um, and based on the, you know, 
the different models of the companies and the different sizes of the, you know, the bottles, whether it be five or 10 or 15 mLs. Sure. And then, um, you know, I'll say the citrus oils tend to be on the less expensive side. So even something like $10 or $15 or, you know, for a 15 mL bottle and that, that typically has like 210 drops in it. So that'll last you a really long time for something like lavender or peppermint. It may be in the $20 range for something like rose. I don't even have rose because it's over $200 because it oh takes like, ten, it takes like thousands and thousands of rose petals <laughs> to make a little bottle of rose. Um, so that's kind of just an, an idea. It varies widely, but that's kind of a, you know, a, an idea of some of the more commonly used ones and the price. So I have to take a break here for a second to explain what this sound is that you may hear in the background. So my beloved geriatric chihuahua is essentially <laughs> on hospice. And so Aww. that's her. And I could lock her out so that we didn't have that background noise, but I just can't do it because I'm a palliative care physician and I can't lock my suffering dog away from where she wants Aww. to be. So apologize. I apologize to everyone for this coughing sound in the background. She's safe. It's okay. We know she's on a lot of medicine. She's getting good care, Aww. but this is just her, her state as the, her life sort of comes to a close. So sorry about the background Aww. noise. Hopefully she'll go back to sleep and then we won't hear it again. Oh, anyway, she's sweet. She's we can talk sweet. about use of about how to help her with essential oils. <laughs> we Ooh, use that a lot for our dogs. Really? Well, let's talk about that. What what <laughs> would you use for dogs? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'll and I'll share this more in a, actually in a course that I'm doing that we can talk about later. But yeah. and and a lot of this I glean from some of the veterinarians that are teaching. A lot of more veterinarians are using these more and more because they're seeing the benefits. Um, we're super cautious with animals just because. They have a different volume and distribution, meaning that they, you know, process the essential oils differently. And so often we use, uh, and, and we can talk about topically, but often we use less oils and, you know, the, the very calming ones. And, uh, and we kind of do just a little patch test. And this is something we can use with anybody that's trying a new essential oil on their skin. You always do a little patch test where you maybe just do like a, a tiny drop of an oil rub it in. You can use a carrier oil to kind of dilute it and, and see how they respond. And then you can use it a little bit more, but even some of the calming ones, lavender, if they have, you know, kind of achy joints, you know, there's certain ones that we use for that. Like what? Uh, she does have achy joints. <laughs> yeah. So wintergreen is one. And oftentimes I use kind of a combination and frankincense is, is kind of has a lot of anti-inflammatory properties. We would use that copaiba has also a lot of anti-inflammatory properties. And so those ones are pretty bland to use on the skin and we can use that. Wintergreen, I would dilute. But yes, there are ways that we can help our aging pets as well, our symptomatic pets, improve their quality of life. Good to so know. I, can... I learned what I really needed to know today. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly, exactly, because they're suffering too. <laughs> now, since we're talking about it though, I, I, you mentioned before that some might not be safe for animals. Are there any that we should not use for dogs or cats, for example? Yeah, that's a great question. So tea tree is one that we want to be careful with. It has an enzyme that, uh, that cats especially, but that many other, you know, animals can't really metabolize. And so we're cautious with that one. There are some others, some of the more potent ones like clove and cinnamon. Some of those I tend not to use just because it, they're quite strong and similar to not even using them in kids as well. 
Um, so really just being cautious with some of the super strong ones. And then even when we're talking about topical use, one thing we want to be careful of for anybody is some of the photosensitivity of some of the oils. So citrus oils can be, can enhance our, our skin sensitivity to sunlight. So we're always cautious when we put it on ourselves and even, even some, to some degree in animals, if they're going to be out in the sun, that can increase that risk of, of sun toxicity. So that's gotcha. one thing to keep in mind. And so really just some of the strong oils and tea tree, and there's some others. Um, but yeah, I just want to be careful. One, one way to test uh, with pets, if they like it or not, is to let them sniff from the bottle. We do this with horses too, where you uh, and did this one with one of my friends' horse, where we kind of let the horse sniff the bottle um, to see if that was one that they liked. And horses have a lot of anxiety, uh, kind of like anxious feelings, especially when they race or when they perform. And so we use that to kind of let them choose what they want to use and what they want to be around. And then you can kind of more safely uh, use it. One other tip with pets is to always leave the door open. If you start diffusing something, and I mean, you can do this with anybody too. If they, you start diffusing something and they don't like it, leave the door open so they can leave. You can increase the ventilation. You can turn off the diffuser. That's a great idea. That gives them control so you know you're not doing something that they're not feeling good about. Exactly. Yeah, That's great. Thank, thank you for that personal consult for my <laughs> home family drama. I really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. exactly. I can I can get you a protocol. We'll get you a little, <laughs> little protocol for your dog. <laughs> awesome. So are there any other cautions while we're talking about it for people now um, besides yeah. photosensitivity? And then I think you had mentioned sort of allergic, if you're going to use it topically, that you should do a little patch test. Any other things people should be cautious about? Yeah, exactly. So just, just a little tidbit about aromatherapy when we're thinking of cautions. Um, you know, in the medical field, we're always super cautious not to wear perfumes to work, right? We don't, we don't want to smell like anything because so many of our patients have, you know, they can have some hypersensitivities to some of these perfumes and some of the chemicals. And uh, so we're always super careful about that. It's much less common with pure essential oils for people to have kind of uh, an allergic reaction or a bronchospastic reaction. But I'm still always cautious about that and kind of, you know, just make sure we're, we're watching that. And then for people who are new to essential oils, because they are so potent, I tell people to start, start low and go slow. And we do this with medications, right? Or we right. start at a lower dose and then we can always titrate up. But I, I use less initially. Sometimes people get headaches when they're first in a room with, with essential oils. And that can really be unpleasant and being aware of that, who you're around, who's going to get exposed. So those are some kind of just cautions. The other thing I would say is diffusers need to be cleaned. It's a water reservoir. They can build up some bacteria. You want to clean those because you don't want to aerosolize that bacteria into the room. How often should you clean them? I've always wondered that. Uh, that's a great question. Some people say once a week. Some people say maybe a little more frequently, depending on you know preference. And but but I think kind of once a week. Some of us do less. <laughs> I will yeah. admit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm busy. I will admit. Um, I typically try to dump out the water in the morning, rinse it out, and let it air dry um, okay. rather than just leaving it in. And then when we're thinking about topical use, let's let's kind of talk about, and I could go for hours, so stop me. We'll kind of keep it succinct for our listeners. Okay. You know, when we think about topical use, we can think about aromatherapy. Massage therapists use these, use essential oils in, in topical use all the time, but many of us use them for therapeutic benefits. Otherwise, there's a TikTok video of someone saying, never use essential oils on your skin. They're super potent. Well, the research doesn't suggest that. And that's not how people, people are using them on their skin and they're doing it very effectively and safely. 
So know that they're very concentrated. They are like 50 to 70 times more potent than herbs Mm -hmm. because they're so concentrated and you only need a little bit. That's one thing to be aware of, but know how much to use in what population you're using. If you're going to use them on kids, you're going to use them very minimally and you're going to dilute with what's called a carrier oil. And I've referenced that before. Carrier oil can be macadamia nut oil, almond oil, jojoba oil, fractionated coconut oil. Those are heavier uh, oils, have a heavier molecular weight. They help carry the oil into the skin for absorption. They also help dilute and protect the skin. So I think what I hear you saying is that you're going to take one of these oils, put some drops of the essential oil, mix it up, and then put that mixture on the skin. You're not putting drops of essential oil on the skin. Correct. That's in general, especially for new users, and especially if you're using them on children or on elderly. Absolutely. Now, there are some oils where you can put directly on the skin. There's some that we do that. Uh, They're very potent, though. And so for the purposes of this conversation, I always say, try it first with a diluted with a carrier oil. Do a little patch test, as we talked about with your dog. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do just a little area. See how you respond. And if you respond okay, then you know you can keep you know trying that. So that's one thing I did when I first started using these. I tried a blend of certain oils that was undiluted, and I put on my wrists, and I got broke out in a little you know kind of little rash. It was fine. I washed it off. You know, put a little lavender and hydrocortisone on it, and it went away. And then, but since then, I use that blend all the time because it works for me to help me focus. But I use it on the bottoms of my feet with carrier oil. And so I just learned how to use it appropriately. And then I never had that happen since. Neat. So there's, yeah, so there's learning how to dose them properly, learning how to dilute them properly when you're using them topically, learning what oils you can use on the skin and what oils you should not use on the skin. There are certain hotter oils like cinnamon and clove that you really don't want to use on the skin because they can really cause irritation. And then there's the sun toxicity or kind of photosensitivity of the citrus oils. And I will say uh, one of my favorite oils for calming bergamot or bergamot, as some people say, uh, is probably the most sun toxic oil that there is. And so I don't put that one on my skin unless I put it on my belly or something under clothes, but I don't put that on my skin and go outside because you could be, you could regret that. The general recommendation is when you put a citrus oil, if you're going to put it on sun exposed skin, you don't go out for 12 to 24 hours and after that unless you wash it off really well. So that's another thing just to be cautious about. Bergamo, we make weed killer with on a oh, super really? sunny day because <laughs> it's so sun toxic. So you can, it's it's obviously, you know, if you're trying to avoid synthetic kind of chemicals and it's really sunny days in the summer, you can uh, make bergamo weed killer spray and spray your weeds and they'll shrivel from the sun. <laughs> so fascinating. Oh my gosh. I did not know that. That's great. Okay. So, so big picture, what I'm hearing here is there's kind of two ways to think about this topic. One is the things that regular people can do who don't know a ton about essential oils. Maybe they could look for a high quality essential oil. They could get a diffuser. They could put lavender in it, for example, if they wanted to use it for calming and just, you know, to stress reduction at the end of a day, they could put it in their shower. They could use menthols type things if they have a cold or sinus trouble, not instead of medical care, but just for symptom management. So so there's like one level of things that all of us can do if we're using pure oils, not just perfumey things. 
that's great. Yep. We can use them for our dogs, which is really great. Uh, but then there's this sort of next level, it sounds to me, of really learning what what essential oil works for what, what is safe, what kind of carrier oil, which ones go with which oil, where you would put them. And that level of knowledge, it strikes me, needs some some other amount of education. Yeah. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. So I I know that you're starting a course for physicians because of this. And I just think this is fantastic because I think it gets confused. People say, oh, essential oils, you can get them in Whole Foods. Like how much could there be mm-hmm. to learn? Just, you know, throw them in your diffuser and that's that. And there is that level, which is fine. But then yep. there's this other more educated level. And I think you want to make sure if you're going to learn that, that you're learning from a high quality source and you're learning high quality information. And I know that's why you're starting this course. So could you tell us just a little bit about, in case there are people listening who who feel like, okay, I get it that it's complicated and I really want to learn it right. What should they do? Yeah. Great question. So this is a lot of information and I threw a lot of information at our, <laughs> our listeners today, which is super fun. So thank you for indulging me. I learned over the course of years. And it took me a really long time because as a physician, I was concerned about safety and I wanted to see the research. And I also wanted to see the therapeutic benefits over and over again and get that expertise. That that was a rocky journey for me because there were I had a lot of fantastic people that were in the industry that really taught me well, but I didn't have a lot of physicians to help guide me. And so that's why I created this course. Uh, I created a virtual course for physicians on the science, the safety, the industry shortcuts, and really the possibilities of essential oils uh, for the future. And I wanted my physician colleagues to really learn about this. We have, we are very adept at learning. We can put it in perspective. We can use our experience and the evidence to really make great decisions. And I know that many people, many non-physicians are teaching this with some of these companies and many of them are doing a fantastic job, but they often don't have, you know, the, the medical knowledge to review the research and, you know, to put that in perspective as well. So I think that's a benefit of really, you know, helping our physician colleagues learn about this on a much deeper scale and really seeing the possibilities. And that I think will change many physician practices once they see this, but it's a journey. And so I'm trying to make it easy for people and in a really you know, really fun, kind of approachable way, but so that they know the research and they feel can feel confident kind of counseling their patients and and really, you know, using it at home, sharing, you know, just the information that's out there. And so if they want that, where do they find you? How how could someone access this course? Yeah. So my um my business is Give More Naturally. And the idea is to give additional tools to help people. So it's www.givemorenaturally.com. And the course is is available on there. You can subscribe to my email list. Even if you're not a physician, you can subscribe to my email list and we will give out little tidbits over time of how to use these because I want to really share it with everybody. But the course is just for physicians, pharmacists, and dentists at this point because actually some essential oils are being used in the dentist office too. Interesting. Um, so that is available. You can find it on the website. Um, if you go to www.givemorenaturally.com backslash course, uh, there's more information. It's a four-week course, and it you know will have some live Q and A, and there will be some additional kind of bonus videos that are non-CME. But but we're having you know CME provided because this is really like heavy into the research, and uh, it's a it's a part of our education. So fantastic, great, that is wonderful. Um, and please go check that out if this topic interests you. There's there's no question that 
that you are an excellent source to learn from. So I always close with asking my guests to give one piece of homework, one piece of self-care advice for the people who are listening. What would be this week, one thing they could go out and do? So let's say they they went to a store, they found a high quality essential oil. What should they do? What would you recommend for well-being? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, the, one of the easiest starts is lavender. Looking for high quality lavender, take it home. It's I, I'm hesitant to kind of give like very specific advice because that's so different to each person, but lavender is pretty safe. You can use it to smell, like I talked about, just over open the bottle. You know, these are kind of cost-effective ways. You can put it on your skin. I'd rececommend with a little bit of carrier oil, even if you just have some you know olive oil in your pantry, you can use it a little bit with that. I have a lot of people do deep breathing with the essential oils and kind of integrating some of the other integrative modalities. So if you're going to do meditation, maybe hold your little bottle of lavender, you know, under your nose and kind of just do some deep breathing, some mindfulness with that. You can put a few drops on your pillow before you go to bed um, or make a little spray with lavender. That's, that's kind of an easy first way to start and use kind of some of those tips to find a higher quality oil. And then I would say one bit of homework for my physician colleagues specifically is mindset. Just think about these have been often thought of as snake oil, but really um, work on this as a possibility, as an added tool in your tool chest, as something to learn about. These are not going away. It's a multi-billion dollar market. And I think if we don't continue to learn about this, then we'll be left behind. And there's there's really great benefit to us and our patients. That's, so that's a tip for my physician colleagues. Um, to do that. And then certainly, uh, certainly join the course. If you are listening to this podcast and your physician, pharmacist or dentist, we'll have a little uh, coupon for you to get 10% off of the code because you listen to Dr. Delia's podcast. <laughs> and uh, so the, the, the coupon code is podcast. And uh, so you can put that in when you check out. This has been a great opportunity to share so much with you. I really appreciate the opportunity to share with you. And I love, you know, it's been a really fun conversation and I hope we can help your dog. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your expertise. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. So thanks everybody. I'll put all that information in the show notes. I'm so glad you're here. And if you know anybody who's interested in aromatherapy or essential oils, send this to them so that they can get a sense of, of you know how they can use it in their practice and where they can learn more. So I'm so grateful for you guys and thanks for being here and I'll see you next Thursday. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the Integrative Palliative Institute, dedicated to whole person care for people with serious illness using all the tools that work. If you've always thought that there was a better way to practice medicine, you're right, and you've found your people. So help spread the word. Send this episode to a friend or colleague, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and reach out anytime and come learn with me. You can find more information and training programs at integrativepalliative.com.